Please join me as we attend to the word of the Lord at this time. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. But godliness with contentment is a great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God, once again, as always, we ask for your blessing upon us. Take the words that you have written, that you have communicated to us, burn them into our hearts, that we might be new men and women in your sight each and every day, redeemed by the cross, we pray. Amen. Please be seated, and if you would, grab your Bibles. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6, 1 Timothy chapter 6. As we get going here, I do want to remind us and ask for your prayers. Uh, in about a week or six days' time or so, we're going to have uh, 24 students and staff, or 24 students and adult leaders from the congregation here going to Surf City. Many of you know Surf City is a wonderful ministry and outreach to the youth of our church and to the community, and we've gotten 20 students that are going along with four staff, and uh, just so that I know a couple of them here, some of them aren't, but if you're here and you're going uh, to uh, Surf City, either as staff or as a student, if you could stand, please. We've got some over there, some over there, got some leadership here across the board. Let's pray together. Lord, we do again ask for your great blessing upon the students that are going and upon the adults that are going, uh, that your word would go forth, that safety would be present, and Lord, as always, that you would be honored and pleased by all that takes place. Thank you for prompting uh, these young men and women uh, to go on this trip and for the impact that that will make on them now and forever, we pray. Amen. Thank you very much, everybody. Across the board with that, for those who are going. I know, uh, I see Jen's not here uh, right now, but Jen's put a lot of time into making this happen, Jen Balky, so if you can also add her to your prayers, that would be great. I would like you at this time to think uh, back, if you can, or think of a time where you have done something that has not been good for you. Uh, think of a time or something that something has not been good for you. I don't necessarily mean something evil or wicked or sinful, just something that hasn't been good for you. When I was in my late teens, I went through a phase where I saw a bunch of horror movies. Uh, and I think that I liked them, but I wasn't sure. But I know in the long term, they weren't good for me. Uh, I couldn't sleep at night. I had nightmares, all the kind of things that happen when you overindulge yourself in a horror movie or something like that. So looking back now, I look and I say, hey, that clearly wasn't good for me doing those kind of things. So you can think of you know, maybe something that you've said to somebody or some actions that you've taken or some food that you've eaten or something along those lines. Uh, where it has not been good for you. Now, most of us know what that's like to have something that's not good for us, 
uh, but we normally don't voluntarily walk into those situations. It's not like somebody offers you, hey, uh, have a bite of this, it'll make you sick, and you know, we voluntarily take a, take a bite or something. Uh, you know, if we know something is bad for us beforehand, usually we're a little bit more cautious about indulging in the thing. Uh, so the problem comes in not knowing beforehand that something is not going to be good for us. As we've been studying 1 Timothy together, if you've been with us over the past couple months, you know that in this letter, Paul is desperately urging Timothy, and through Timothy, urging us to be on our guard against false teaching. The true gospel of Jesus Christ leads to godliness, and so the truthfulness and its accompanying godliness is something that Paul is stressing over and over again throughout this letter. And he accompanies that with the warnings about, hey, avoid, make sure you are avoiding false teaching. And for Timothy, he's supposed to come out and condemn false teaching. He's supposed to stand against the false teachers. And that always assumes that we know what the false teaching is. Now, the reason we're having this conversation is that all of us, all the time, are surrounded these days with input, with information that comes in, encouragement to live our lives a certain way, hey, have these sets of values, think about the world this way, all of that kind of stuff is coming at us all the time. And Paul's words to Timothy are Paul's words to us where we are supposed to be on our guard and warned against false teaching. Well, how do we know when it's false teaching? Like I said, if I offer you something and I tell you it's going to make you sick, you know not to take it. How do we know before we get there what false teaching looks like? In this passage of Scripture, Paul does a great job, and we're going to walk through this. I hope that you heard it a little bit as I was reading the text. We're going to walk through Paul's warnings against false teaching and his affirmations of true teaching. And he's going to stress these are the effects of false teaching, and here are the effects of true teaching, of sound teaching. And we're going to look at those two things with an eye that this is incumbent upon all of us. This is not just to Timothy that he's supposed to be on his guard, but every one of us are supposed to be on our guard consistently against the myriad teachings that we hear each and every day that sound good but ultimately may not be good for us. How do we discern those things? How do we find what those are? Well, Paul sets this up in a series of different ways. First, he says, here's the content of false teaching. Here's the content of true teaching. Here's the source of false teaching. Here's the source of true teaching. Here's the effect of false teaching. Here's the effect of true teaching. And here's the motive of false teaching. And here's the motive of true teaching. So the content, the source, the effect, and the motive of these two are set up together. Let's take a look at them beginning in verse 3 of chapter 6. Once again, if you have your scriptures with you, able to follow along, I believe that that's one of the ways in which God has blessed us with the world and the world we live in now that we have access to the Word of God so that we might understand and hear Him more effectively. 
Paul writes these words to Timothy. If anyone teaches a different doctrine, verse 3, if anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of the Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness. So he sets up here the two different types of teachings. One, it's a different doctrine. Different from what? Paul has used this phrase a lot throughout First Timothy, and we've explored it at different points. The idea is different from the truth. Different doctrine and the sound doctrine. Well, what's the distinction between the two of them? Paul sets this up for us right off the bat so that we understand the content of the difference. Now, again, the reason why we're going through this is because you're going to hear this week, hey, these are the values you should have. This is the way you should live your life. This is the way that you should think about raising your children. This is the way in which you should go about uh, fasting or having a diet program or living your life or interacting with your coworkers. You're going to get that encouragement perhaps more than what you know, how do you distinguish if it is false teaching or if it is true teaching? Here is the content of true teaching. The sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness. What is it that is true teaching that Paul sets forward here. The content of true teaching is that which is of Jesus Christ. Now, what does Paul mean by this? Doesn't necessarily mean the words that Jesus said necessarily or the words that are about Jesus Christ. Only when you're talking about Jesus Christ are you learning appropriate things. No, it's nothing like that. It is the teachings that are in accordance with the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, it is the teachings, anything that we learn and are instructed upon that accord with the scriptures. This is where we know of the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the essential character of the text and why it is that it is so important for us as a community and for you as an individual to know the scripture. Because every day you're going to hear counter-teaching. How do you know if it's appropriate teaching or not? It's if it accords with the Word of God. That's what Paul says here, right across the board. It's a different doctrine that does not agree with the sound teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the core set uh, goal for us as a community is to know the Scriptures in such a way that we are able to identify if a teaching is in accordance with the Bible or not. This is what is incumbent upon us. This is part of the reason why at this church we are stressing that you get to know the Scriptures individually, that you spend time each and every day reading your text. If you don't know how to do that, or if you struggle with doing that, let us know. We can help with those kind of things. It's why we spend time corporately in Bible studies and Sunday school class and all these different ways to learn the scriptures together. It's why the scriptures are the basis of everything we do in a worship service. It's not because, you know, it just happens to be tradition that we do these things. It's because that's how we distinguish between the false teaching and the true teaching, because the trick is, or the challenge is, that you're going to want to distinguish what's true and what's not based upon your own thinking. Oh, that doesn't sound right to me, or that makes me uncomfortable, or that's not something I like, therefore that's false teaching. That's not the measuring stick that Scripture gives us. It's not the tool that God has granted to us to discern that which is true and that which is not. 
because the Bible tells us that our hearts are deceitful in all kinds of ways. Deceiving who? Deceiving us about what we think is true and what is not true. That is why the source of, I'm sorry, the content of the sound teaching here that Paul puts forward is the words of Jesus Christ. It is the scripture itself. But not just that, it is the scriptures, the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the teaching that accords with godliness. Now this has been Paul's burden to some extent throughout the book of 1 Timothy, and we've hit on it over and over again. Paul is not just asserting, hey, make sure that all your doctrine is in place, that you have the checklist of everything that you know to be right, and that's as long as you check off all the boxes of what you know up in your head, then you're safe before God. That's not what Paul is doing. What Paul asserts throughout this book is that true teaching will naturally lead to a godliness, that there will be a godliness that accords itself with true teaching. And so the measuring stick that Paul puts forward here for us is not just the distinction between false teaching and true teaching, is not simply does it accord with Scripture, but also does it lead to godliness? Does it accord with godliness? Does it drive us towards the Lord? So much of what passes as good teaching, even biblical teaching, it does not move us towards Jesus Christ. And that is the goal of the content of true teaching, according to Paul in this regard. So when you hear things, hey, this is the way you should raise your children, this is how you should act at work, this is the, the way in which you should think about this social issue or this political agenda or this worldwide struggle in which we are having, consistently the question is, is it sound teaching or is it a different doctrine? And the answer is, does it accord with the scriptures and does it move us towards godliness? And if you can't see that, that it moves in that way, you need to be incredibly wary of that kind of teaching. And another way of challenging this is identifying the source. What is the source of true teaching and the source of a different doctrine or false teaching? Again, in verse 3, it is the uh, words that agree with the sound words of the Lord Jesus Christ. If anyone teaches a different doctrine that does not agree with the sound words of Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. Puffed up with conceit. What's the idea of conceit? Conceit is that falling in that excessive pride, that arrogance that flows through a person. So being puffed up with conceit the source of their teaching, the source of their understanding is not something outside of themselves, it is themselves that they are puffed up with conceit. I think most of you know those kind of people you've had in those conversations where somebody is really confident of something that they're saying and you know that they don't know anything about what they're talking about. You know, it's one of those, you know, hey, I really know this, and you sit there and think, man, you gotta be kidding me. It's clear that they are puffed up with conceit and they know nothing. I visited a, um, uh, a uh, elderly lady, that she was somebody that I visited quite frequently for a long period of time, and she was, had this uh, Eastern European accent, and she was a you know, tiny little lady and, and those kind of stuff, but full of fire and fervor and all this kind of stuff. And there was this particular politician 
that uh, had uh, that she was frustrated with that she, was every time you brought his name up uh, she would spike her ire and she would mumble under her breath every time you said her name uh, of course and so con consistently I said the guy's name just to hear it and she, she would uh, she would mumble under her breath that pompous ignoramus pompous ignoramus and I thought how great is that so when I read this thing about conceited puffed up with conceit and knows nothing I thought pompous ignoramus that kind of fits perfectly along those lines. What's the source of the false doctrine? Ultimately, it is the pompous ignoramus. It is the conceit of thinking that you know something when you clearly do not. What is the source of the true doctrine? It is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. What's the effect of false teaching versus sound teaching? Look at the middle of verse four. He has an unheld, this different doctrine, this different doctrine teacher, false teacher. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words that produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicion, and constant friction among people. What's the effect of this different doctrine? He has an unhealthy craving. The idea of unhealthy here, by the way, it's the, it's the exact, it, it's the opposite word to sound doctrine. Uh, so you can almost say it's uh, healthy doctrine versus this unhealthy craving. Um, unhealthy cravings, when you satisfy something that is unhealthy craving, it's not a surprise that it leads to sickness. I have a strong craving for salt. Anything salt. I love salt. Uh, and I know that if I unhealthily satisfy that craving for salt by eating too much potato chips, I will get sick. Uh, being unhealthy and indulging in the cravings of being unhealthy will ultimately lead to sickness within the body. And that's what happens here with this false teaching. The false teaching has an unhealthy craving an unhealthy craving for controversy, for quarrels about words, which will produce what? Envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicion, constant friction. I know that you can imagine this if you can't identify an individual in your mind. At least you can imagine these kind of scenarios. Somebody just always is wanting to stir trouble. A different doctrine is one that ends up leading to a dissension among the brethren. And what Paul has in mind here specifically is not friction among people in the world or anything like that, but friction within the church. He's specifically talking here what's in his mind is the church community, the body of believers. And what he's saying is that this unhealthy teaching is something that ultimately will lead to dissension, fracture, friction, frustration, within the body of Christ. In contrast to true teaching, the true doctrine, which ultimately leads to a unity, a togetherness, a love and an embrace. Now why is that? Because the true teaching of our Lord leads us to himself. And it identifies that the most powerful thing about me is that I am a son of God. I am a child of Jesus Christ. And the most powerful thing about you, 
The most important thing about you is not that you're a mother or a teacher or a... The most important thing about you is that you are a child of God. And so consequently, the more that the true teaching, sound teaching is communicated, Paul's understanding here is that the differences that separate us, the friction that is present, melts away, fades into the background as the true teaching is strengthened. How do you identify false teaching? Well, part of the way is that it leads to dissension. It leads to friction and frustration within the body of Christ. Now, that's not to say that when you're teaching something true, there aren't hard moments and people struggle with it and people have to wrap themselves around. We know all that's true, but the ultimate goal and the ultimate effect of true teaching is that it will bring us together under one Lord and one Savior, Jesus Christ. The effect of the two is captured there in the dissension, the fracture. And now what is the motive? The motive of false teaching versus the motive of true teaching. Look carefully at the end of verse 5. This ungodly teacher, false teacher, imagines that godliness is a means of gain. And then Paul writes quickly, but godliness with contentment is great gain. The first person, the false teacher, imagines that godliness is for gain. Now, uh, the gain here, uh, it has a broader scope, but it's pretty clear that Paul has an understanding here about financial gain. That, that, the, I, that the false teacher is teaching in ways that ultimately will benefit him, ultimately work towards the good of his physical state. That he is doing things that benefit himself. That he's teaching falsely for money, he's teaching falsely for whatever. Okay, that there's some end up, the, the goal, the benefit is for his own blessing. Paul quickly turns that on his head and says, no, no, godliness with contentment is great gain. I think everybody has a fairly good handle on what contentment means. The idea of peace satisfaction, calm. I love the way in which this is phrased, that contentment is knowing that if I am not satisfied with what I have, I will not be satisfied with what I want either. To be content is to know that if I'm not satisfied with what I have, I won't be satisfied with what I want. That's being content. And Paul is saying here that true teaching leads to the gain, the great gain of contentment because contentment places us under the rule of God and under the satisfaction of knowing our Lord. Whereas false teaching is constantly driving us towards our own personal gain. Now, Paul elaborates on this in the end of the passages to talk at the end of this passage to talk about the dangers of focusing upon the material wealth, about identifying the goal of your life or the focus of your attention upon material things. In contrast to that, Paul stresses over and over again that godliness with contentment is great gain. 
I want you to distinguish in your mind here as we've talked about the difference between the false teaching and the true teaching, and particularly the focus of those two things. Again, now part of my goal of looking at this passage is recognizing that you are going to be bombarded this week with ideas about how to live your life. How do you discern what is best? How do you discern if it is true teaching or not? I want to distinguish between, as I've laid out the two uh, different uh, options that Paul puts before us here, false teaching and true teaching, I want you to notice the focus that is run through the four different categories that I've talked about. What's the focus of the content of the false teaching? It is the self. What is the source of the false teaching? It is the self. What is the effect of the false teaching? It is what it affects, how it affects me. What is the motive of the false teaching? It is how it affects me. What is the content of true teaching? It is Jesus Christ. What is the source of true teaching? It is Jesus Christ. What is the effect of true teaching? That we come together as a united body under Jesus Christ. What is the motive of true teaching? It is that we would have peace under Jesus Christ. The focus of the true teaching versus the focus of the false teaching could not be clearer. It is the Christ-centered nature of the teaching that we hear each and every day. And once again, this is what drives us to the scriptures. It's what drives us, what drives me to urge you to know the scriptures, to learn of them, to surround yourself with those who know the word of God and can help you understand them so that we see and understand that which is true and good because you're going to be confronted with other ideas all week long. Paul says to Timothy throughout this book, guard the truth. How do you know the truth? You know it because it points to Jesus Christ and it is all about him. I desperately want this week for you to be all about him. Let's pray together. Lord in heaven, we do ask for that blessing. Because while we know it is ours to do and ours to walk, it is so easy for us to fall into understanding this world is all about us and understanding the teaching is all about us and to think about my life all about me. Lord, we don't want to do that. We want to heed well the word of God. We want to heed well what you speak to Timothy here through Paul and to us, that we would guard the truth, that we would know the truth, that we would reject false teaching that drives us to a conceited perspective of thinking only of ourselves. Lord Jesus, you really are our Savior and our Lord, and we really do only want to know and love you as our King now and forevermore. Amen.